We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, Rotoviz Radio News Show. I'm Blair Andrews on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair. My co-host, as always, is Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, you know, man, uh, same old, same old. We um, the weather's uh, getting a little bit cooler, which I like a lot. It's you know, it's really football season with a S, a Z, and an N. So I'm we're ready to go, man. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, another week of football and a lot of stuff to discuss uh, we have no guests tonight so we'll uh, hopefully make it a quick show get out of here uh, in time to still catch the end of this um, this Dallas Philadelphia game uh, but yeah let's kick it off with the first news item Marvin Jones corralled 10 of 13 targets for 94 yards and 4 touchdowns in Detroit's week 7 loss to the Vikings uh, Jones's big day came at the expense of Kenny Galladay, who was held to only 21 yards. Danny Amendola also showed signs of life, catching 8 of 11 targets for 105 yards. So what are your expectations for this offense going forward? Uh, yeah, it's you know, as, as you and I are kind of invested a little bit in, in Kenny Galladay and, and like the dynasty team that we go on, as well as in a handful of other spots, so it's a bit of a bummer seeing him simply not do what we thought he, he would have done. Uh, but seeing... Marvin Jones shred, uh, you know, the Vikes like it was uh, that one Thanksgiving Day game where he did was it was kind of fun. I I started Marvin Jones in a couple of spots where I own him and I have him on the bench and a couple of other ones where my wide receiver cores are pretty strong. Um, but as far as where I think this is going to go, it's 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 hard to tell, right? Like um, Galladay up till now, like although Marvin Jones was kind of up there with him in target share, like Galladay was by far the more efficient receivers. You know, he just made the most of his like um opportunity. That said, it was actually kind of fun that uh, that the Vikes and the Lions, two teams who you know we're come to expect to be these run heavy slug offenses, uh, combined for about what seventy points, if my math is correct, which it probably isn't, but uh, no, they they combined for seventy two points. Um, Quick math. Uh, so that was actually kind of fun. Uh, what's really going to be important to track is Kerryon Johnson's injury because if it's worse than it, I mean, Kerryon Johnson hasn't been doing much uh, this season. He's kind of been um, touchdown reliant, you know, uh, as we all are, kind of in, in in a sense. But if the team is going to be turning over to JD McKissick and Ty Johnson, it could just mean a lot more work through the air, right? Yeah, I mean, if they're gonna be, you know, losing by, losing games by twelve points, then I think they're gonna have to be throwing a lot more. And it looks like, um, you know, they get the Giants next week, so maybe they can pull out a win there. But they don't have the easiest schedule coming up, I don't think. Um, you mentioned you started Marvin Jones in a couple leagues. I'm curious what 
led you to that decision? Why did you think Marvin Jones would be worth starting? Because, like, that is not a play I saw coming. Uh, I just don't have anybody else. One of them is a 16-team <laughs> league that we're in. And, I mean, I started Jerron Brown in this league, so just okay. tells you where we're at. <laughs> um, uh, the other one is actually kind of interesting because I it was just really facing the bye week crunch. I would have absolutely mm-hmm. not started him uh, because on my bench was Adele Beckham. Like, I didn't want to swap in Kiki QT because I was afraid of his workload. Uh, Kenny Stills was also kind of iffy for me. And then I wasn't playing Robbie Anderson on the road again, you mean, against, against New England, right? So it, just my process of elimination, I wound up on Marvin Jones. It, it's not like it was he was that much better of a play than any, everybody else. It's just so much as um, I don't have him going in, in, anybody, in any other like league, so I might as well just take advantage of him in this one that I have him. I, okay. I just don't own a lot of Marvin Jones, not in best ball, not in anywhere else. So I'm really hoping this swings back to Kenny Galladay very soon. Yeah, you'd have to expect it would. I mean, I don't know if there's something that, you know, we could pick out about how the Vikings played defense against Galladay, um, you know, to get Amendola and Marvin Jones both with double-digit targets. Um, I, I didn't watch this game, so I don't have any special insight there, but I think you would have to expect that Galladay will still be the guy going forward, and I would, you know... I, still feel comfortable starting him against uh, New York, of course. Um, you know, if it turns out Carrion's injury is pretty bad, and I don't know if we've gotten any reports on that yet, but um, would you consider starting Ty Johnson or maybe McKissick anywhere? Uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know, because um, Ty Johnson should definitely be rostered, absolutely. Like, like for starters, he just has to be. He's a pretty, he's a pretty strong talent. Uh, and he did, you know, he did. He got like ten carries for JD McKissick's five, and they he saw four targets as well, and he caught four of those for twenty eight yards, right? So I think it'd be like this kind of timeshare that goes on between McKissick and Ty Johnson. But you really have to roster Ty Johnson. He should be like everyone's priority wherever we pick up this year, this this week, I think. And that's great because I actually just dropped him in a bunch of other spots. <laughs> so I've got to go back and pick him up everywhere else. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins caught 9 of 12 targets for 106 yards and a touchdown in the Texans' week 7 loss to the Colts. Blair, like, most of these targets came after Will Fuller exited with a hamstring injury. And, you know, is Fuller's absence a good thing for Hopkins going forward? And does that vault Hopkins back into the top of the rankings for wide receivers? Or, like, is this, uh, you know, going to be a bit of a drain on the offense? Uh, I think probably a little bit of both. Um, definitely not having Fuller in is not good for the offense. We kind of saw that today. Um, So, yeah, I don't think we can expect Houston to be quite as explosive if Fuller has to miss some time. We've kind of seen his splits or seen their splits with him on and off the field, seen Watson's splits with him on and off the field. So it's definitely something to uh, be concerned about. Uh, But, you know, at the same time, I think we we should have expected or a lot of us probably did but maybe not me because I own a lot of DeAndre Hopkins this season we should have expected a healthy fuller to cut into Hopkins workload and that has happened so um yeah I think getting Hopkins you know 12 targets a game going forward if fuller has to miss a few games then uh that's definitely going to help Hopkins but it might not be as efficient as it used to be. And, uh, yeah, probably it definitely hurts Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, I think a little bit of both. Uh, is that about how you're reading this situation? Um, kind of a little bit more optimistic, if only because they have Kenny Stills back. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Kenny Stills can somehow reprise that what Will Fuller brought. It's a bit of a bummer for those of us who really wanted one healthy Will Fuller season. <laughs> But that's never happening. I mean, I'm not going to say that his, like, dynasty value or whatever is, like, cratered because that's absolute garbage. Um, he is who he is uh, at this point, and his role and his skill set is still more valuable than most of the other guys out there. Uh, in my personal opinion, I do think that the Kenny Stills becomes pretty interesting. He makes for a pretty interesting ad, uh, speculative elsewhere. I don't know if, like, Stills is going to be able to one-to-one replicate what, what Will Fuller brings, but... 
you know, at the very least, they still got some guy who can take the lid off the offense, like, like you know, a lid lifter. Because right now, it's like genuinely kind of frustrating watching a lot of these like underneath targets go to go to the Darren Felses and like Duke Johnson and Jordan. Like, just all these guys are just sort of just, just stop. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, really, something has to be said here because like the Houston Texans have dropped. Um, a winnable game against uh, the Carolina Panthers and then a winnable game against uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Like at some point that you, you would assume that like Bill O'Brien got to be taking some heat for this, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you would think so. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's strange. I think, you know, he probably has more, uh, he definitely has more influence in that on, on this team than a lot of other head coaches would. So um, I don't know if that gives him a little bit extra staying power, but um, uh, I should, I should expedite his uh, expulsion. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, think, I mean, yeah. Zach, Zach Pascal of all people tours his offense for, for, for 106 yards <laughs> right. and two, two touchdowns. Zach Pascal, who? Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, like it, it's just been. I mean, uh, just to go back a little bit to that Kenny Stills point, he he got like four of his five targets for 105 yards, right? Like, so at some point, the TDs are going to be there for Stills. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's right. Stills will get his touchdowns if Fuller misses time. I think um, he still probably doesn't give you quite the skill set that Fuller does. I mean, one thing that you know we've seen from Fuller this season and in the past is that he's not only really good on these deep routes, although he is excellent on those, but he's also really efficient on the underneath routes as well. Like he can catch balls uh, that would otherwise go to Darren Fells, like you said, or Jordan Akins or whoever. So I don't know if Stills has that skill set exactly. So I think Fuller gives the offense a lot more optionality, which definitely helps. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't expect Stills to be a one-for-one replacement, and I think that's probably bad for the team overall, but it could still be good for Hopkins. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Uh, scrolling through every app, visiting every website on a daily basis is, is it's impossible. Uh, that's why I subscribe to Active Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Uh, Active Sports is a modern sports page and is delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends. and It gives you the ability to just stay informed and connected to your sports. It's super simple to sign up, uh, to sign up and uh, the best of, best of all, it is free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the uh, friend sharing an amazing link with your friends as well. You know, you just join the uh, 100,000 sports fans who got caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. That is sports.axios.com. Now let's get into no shit, shit no. All right, first item, Austin Eckler rushed five times for seven yards and had seven receptions for 118 yards and a touchdown on eight targets in the Chargers' Week 7 loss to the Titans. Uh, that's going to be a no shit for me. Uh, the Titans are lost, man. This team is uh, <laughs> lost at sea. Uh, they they um, have just surrendered so many games to just teams that we just haven't expected. Uh, I it's been a bit of a shame Melvin Gordon hasn't really been who we hoped he would be and it's been an even bigger eye-popping experience that Austin Eckler is uh, now their primary wide receiver uh, I guess so good luck um, you know I mean I mean that said like it, it's 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 I don't know do you think it's a function of the O-line being poor or, or what mm, yeah probably a combination I mean yeah it's tough to tell I mean <sighs> You look at this team, and with the guys they had healthy today, they had a lot of weapons on the field. They had, you know, Mike Williams was out there doing stuff. Hunter Henry is back. Melvin Gordon is playing. So they don't... It's hard to explain why this offense wouldn't be that functional. Um, I mean, Rivers was not terrible. He was fine. 
So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Hard to explain this level of badness from from uh, you know, hard to explain losing to Tennessee. <laughs> We're drawing to any Hunter Center. Yeah. Kyle Rudolph got six of eight targets for fifty eight yards and one score in Minnesota's week seven win over the Lions. Yeah, this uh I think no shit. I don't know. I think I think shit no. I don't mean I don't know. Adam Thielen left this game early, so that opened up uh some targets for Rudolph, obviously. It sounds like Thielen's gonna be okay, so I don't think we'll expect to see uh, this kind of game from Rudolph again. Um, I guess I'm more uh, I'm more interested in sort of what what we think about Minnesota's offense going forward. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins had four touchdowns on 34 attempts. Uh, Dalvin Cook had a huge game. Obviously, Stephon Diggs went for 142 yards. Um, so. You know, this is sort of a level of offensive efficiency that we haven't seen from Minnesota before, but also a level of kind of explosiveness we haven't really seen. So, yeah, my question is, are they going to be able to keep this up or at least try to keep it up, or are they going to go back to just, uh, you know, running the ball you know, 50 times a game? Uh, they actually ran a whole bunch of times. Uh, the most important important part and the important takeaway here is uh, that they really didn't target the running backs right Dalvin Cook only had two targets and then CJ Ham had one for a touchdown which was just <laughs> oh god um but but something called uh, the rookie BC Johnson had eight targets Kyle Rudolph had six and he caught five for 58 as mentioned but also Irv Smith had six and he caught five for 60 so you know it, it could have just easily been him here in this uh, in this no shit blurb and then Diggs had a you know fairly efficient eight targets. What's really most frustrating to me is the fact that BC Johnson and Stefan Diggs are the same number of targets. Like <laughs> you would assume they would just give Diggs more work, but apparently no. Yeah, yeah, strange. Um, I mean, I guess like, you want if you're the Vikings, you want Kirk Cousins to be able to spread the ball around and and uh, you know make the defense be a little bit honest. Uh, which you'd think as a fantasy owner feeling goes down, that means big game for Diggs. But I don't necessarily think that's what Minnesota wants to do, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah, and I think this is like the vaunted, like, quote-unquote, balanced offense that people, like, keep talking about. And, I mean, if it works, <laughs> it works, man. I mean, at the very least, I'd like to see them to try to get Diggs eight targets a game and not, like, three. Right. Like yeah, he was getting. Right. Exactly. We'll we'll take what we can get. Robert Woods caught five of seven targets for 80 yards in the Rams' Week 7 win over the Falcons. Uh, this is going to be a shit no from me, actually. Um, look, uh, this is just a function of playing the Falcons, and even then, this wasn't like the same kind of like explosions that we've come to experience from like a Falcons game. Uh, they're going to have another solid spot next week then for, for the Rams. I am uh, pulling up the strength of schedule app for the rest of the season here. And according to our handy-dandy little heat map, uh, the Rams uh, go Atlanta, then Cincy, then the bye, and then they just face like a slew of it's like a murderer's row. They've got one of the worst um, uh, strength of schedules following their bye weeks. you got Pittsburgh, you got Chicago, you got Baltimore, and things ease up a little bit with Arizona in week 13, but then you get Seattle, Dallas, and then San Fran in week 16 which is uh aka the fantasy playoff final so uh good luck guys um it's it's gonna be rough sledding and this is just not this is not the same team that we've sort of we've come to see under uh mcveigh in years past and i wonder if a lot of that just has to do with how top heavy they kind of are in terms of pay, pay, payroll structure yeah i don't know maybe uh in any case this is a good time a good time to sell your your Rams wide receivers before they're by. Yeah, I mean, plug them indefinitely for Cincinnati, but it gets it gets pretty tricky according to our central schedule going forward, as well as like the the Stat Explorer. So, D.D. Mm-hmm. Westbrook contributed six catches for 103 yards and nine targets, along with 14 yards and two carries Sunday in Jacksonville's Week Seven win over Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, well, this is a no shit. I mean, Westbrook has showed flashes like this before. We know he's pretty uh good pretty explosive so i think 
I don't know if we want to expect this kind of game going forward. DJ Chark kind of had a down game for what he's been doing this season so far. Um, although he still had 53 yards, which is kind of like, it's, you'll take it, I guess. But, um, so yeah, I think, I think we'll probably see these two kind of, you know, switching off. I don't think we should (laughs) expect this offense to start to support two, uh, top 24 wide receivers, but Westbrook is going to have his, his days. Um, you know, one thing, speaking of the fantasy streaming app, Jacksonville has, I think, the maybe the fourth easiest schedule for wide receivers going forward. So um, I like buying into this wide receiver core. And Westbrook uh, probably is the cheapest way still, even after this game, I would expect. So, yeah. Julio Jones caught six of nine targets for 93 yards in the Falcons' Week 7 loss to the Rams. I, this is no shit. He's just so good, so so good. I mean, my my, my biggest concern here is like the Matt Ryan ankle injury. Like, how bad is that going to be for him, and how much time is he going to miss? Yeah, I have nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I mean, that's like the bigger fear, right? Like, if if they're going to go to Matt Schwab under center, then the, you know, who knows what that's going to be? Like, that could just not really work out the way that we wanted to. Yeah, have we seen Julio play with another quarterback? Besides Matt Ryan, I don't know if I don't know that off the top of my head, and I'm not fast enough with the with the game splits app to tell. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can pull that up right now, but uh, of course, in the one time that I needed to do anything, my internet is uh, not really doing much. It's a race. It's a race. Yeah. Um... No. I'm, well. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he's played every game yeah, so far. I with think he's played line. every game, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that makes a big difference. I mean, earlier in his career, Matt Ryan was not as good as he has been the last few years, and Julio still smashed. I mean, it's probably, a, you know, a little bit of Julio makes Matt Ryan as good as he is and not so much vice versa. Um, so, yeah. I think it'll definitely be something to pay attention to. And um, would you consider not? Would you consider benching Julio if uh, Ryan can't play? No, I just don't think you can bench him. Like, yeah. uh, like that's just one of the things. Like, who? Like, like, like Schaub is gonna have. Like, it's gonna be a net downgrade for everyone. But unfortunately, you know, um, they're just you, you. You can't bench him. Eric Ebron got four or five targets for 70 yards and a touchdown in the Colts' Week 7 win over the Texans. Uh, I think I'm going to say should know on this one. And, you know, I say that as someone who probably owns Ebron in too many too many leagues this season. Um, well, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, this isn't like an outrageous game from a target perspective. Five targets is um, about you know, at the high end of what he's been getting this season. So I think it's reasonable to expect that kind of output, I mean, or that kind of opportunity. But uh, this is the first game he's had with more than three catches. Uh, first game he's had with more than 48 yards. So I I think the, the Ebron that we, you know, played with Andrew Luck last year and that we were, people were drafting in like the top 100 picks, um, I don't think that we're getting that Ebron back even after this game. Daniel Jones completed 22 of 35 passes for 223 yards, one touchdown and one interception in the Giants' 27-21 Week 7 loss to the Cardinals. Yeah, this is, I mean, unfortunately it's a bit of a no-shit for me. Uh, this is, like, sure the Cardinals got Patrick Peterson back, but, like, um... I mean, Golden Tate was like, quoted after the game saying they made like, the Cardinals look like the 85 Bears. <laughs> and like that's that's just bad like i mean i didn't watch the game but like according to people it just looked like he dinked and dunked his way down the down the um down the field a handful of times and you know i mean he just probably isn't just the guy who we've all come like who we thought he could have been after that initial danny dimes burst i mean he got completely wrecked last week against the patriots like he threw three ants um, and I mean, the guy has sure he's been facing fairly difficult. Uh, it's a fairly rough schedule, I think. Um, but you know, I mean, at the same time, uh, like 
he hasn't like the only defense he really sort of made bay i believe was the um the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have now just surrendered these massive games to everybody so they, that was their first inkling that this Buccaneers secondary wasn't all that great so it'll be interesting to see how how Daniel Jones sort of uh bounces back going forward um it's actually kind of a little bit frustrating that he's not even rushing right because you could get that with their like um with their uh fantasy uh he at least would be good for fantasy but like uh you know it's it's early to say he's bad but you know definitely concerning yeah it's tough to tell i mean small sample obviously but you know rookie quarterback i think based on a lot of well kind of his expectations coming in to the season um, you might still be a little bit pleasantly surprised with kind of how how competent he's looked. I mean, considering the weapons he's been playing with the last few games before today and, uh, you know, the defenses he's been facing apart from the Tampa Bay game. Um, yeah, I don't know. You would have expected a bigger game today against Arizona with Saquon and Evan Ingram back. But so, yeah, I don't know. I think... I think his rookie season probably hasn't quite been disastrous yet. Like he'll probably be, he'll probably get another, he'll get a chance to uh, take a step forward next year. Not like some rookie quarterbacks we've seen recently who play bad and then just disappear. So um, I think there's still a little bit of room for optimism with Jones, but yeah, like you said, not looking good so far. Naheem Hines rushed one time for three yards in the Colts' Week 7 win of the Texans. He also added one reception for 13 yards. I guess this is no shit. This is kind of what Hines has been doing this whole uh, season. Just, well, not what he's been doing, but just the way they've been using him. uh, Or rather, not using him. Uh, I asked before we started recording if you had any thoughts on what you were doing with Hines in Dynasty, uh, given this kind of usage we've seen this year. Yeah, man, I mean, the guy is a sell low, probably. Hmm. I mean, he's probably worth something, like probably a third or whatever. But, like, he is uh, this is pretty much, like, the worst-case scenario, I think, for, like, Hines. And as a guy who owned a lot of Hines last year and, you know, bought in a little bit again this year, like, he's just, I mean, like, there's nothing there. Like, the the guy, the guy's play doesn't match what he is. He's, like, running behind Jordan Wilkins now. Like, uh, like he's got he had like two targets and he caught one of those. Marlon Mack had three and he caught all three and like neither of them were particularly productive. And then Jordan Wilkins had one target, and you know with like the Indianapolis passing game funneling his way through this like tight end by committee and then to T.Y. Hilton and apparently Zach Pascal now. Like I don't know what value if any Hines brings. Like he doesn't he's clearly not like a James White esque character in this offense at all. Yeah, and you think that is like deeper than just playing one season with Andrew Luck and then getting Brissett as his quarterback now? Like, there's something. something yeah, so like uh, last about year, Hines himself. No, I think last year a lot of it was just like opportunity driven. Like Hilton was out, and like they had Ebron only. They didn't have Mac for a little while, so they just had to give. They had to funnel a lot of that usage towards Hines. They just didn't have like particularly good. Um, a, a particularly solid supporting cast, right? Like, uh, like some of his like biggest games came in like one of his biggest games, and he's not even like he's like a, an explosive playmaker. Like he, it's just like he got a lot of like cheap PPR points, and so it's like you know like he's catching like like last year he has like a line against Jacksonville, which is nine nine targets, nine catches, fifty yards. Like that's a really solid PPR day, like for a for an RB two. But, like, none of these are, like, just these explosive scores. It's not like a Tariq Cohen whose, like, speed actually pops off, right? Like, where you've got actual production going on for him. Because, like, the second, like, uh, the rest of the backfield got healthy, like, it was just back to the to the back of the line for, for Hines. Like, even this, like, the coaching staff clearly does not see him that way. And just remember, like, we're not really seeing Paris Campbell play either. So there's more of a touch squeeze coming for him than people like you would think. So you want to get out of it ahead of time, ahead of, I mean, again, if you, if you hold him because you need the running back production, like 
you can try to get him get something for him and even if it's not that valuable like he's just not going to be valuable after this year anyway in my opinion yeah yeah that's a bummer i mean we see uh a lot of times year two is the year for running backs to really have their breakout season after Heinz's rookie year it really looked like he was on the verge of that kind of breakout so now that that does not appear to be materializing i think uh yeah it's really you have to think harder about possibly cutting bait so yeah that's uh sad for a lot of my dynasty teams but maybe that's where we are now chase edmonds rushed 27 times for 126 yards and three touchdowns and added two receptions for 24 yards as a receiver in the cardinals week seven win over the giants yeah, this one is definitely no shit. I mean, we know we know Edmonds is good. This is really tilting because I started DJ everywhere in DFS. Like I have, you know, I was pretty excited. I was just like putting him down. Like here we go, here we go. And um, you know, it's a bit of a bummer that uh, he didn't get any usage at all. Um, and this is was genuinely the last really good matchup that we have for the rest of the season per the. Uh, Trend the schedule streaming app. Uh, Arizona has for this SOS streaming app. They have the second worst uh, uh, run schedule for the next for the rest of the season. Uh, fun fact: Minnesota has the best one. Um, but yeah, so they get so they get New Orleans, and they get San Francisco, then they get Tampa Bay, and then San Francisco again before they go into the bye. So that's about what like a month where where I mean, if you have DJ, you're probably plugging him in. But at the same time, I don't know if you should be. Like I think um, in the league that I own DJ, I'm probably going to be trying to shop him away for for probably running backs who are like on a buy or something. Like I just I uh, I don't know if I'm going to really be starting him uh, down here. Like. He needs to get a lot of like his a lot more receiving production, I think, to be particularly useful against the Saints or the or the Niners or Tampa Bay over the next month. And even then, we should be tempering our expectations. Um, so that's I'm just saying that the Arizona backfield should have temp- come with tempered expectations. But Chase Edmonds is kind of exciting today with a big day for best ball, especially my best ball rosters that have him. What are you doing with Chase Edmonds in Dynasty? Uh, I mean, where I own him, I'm holding after this game. And I think I'm probably approaching owners who, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you've owned Chase Edmonds this whole time, you either are a DJ owner and you've been handcuffing him or you're pretty high on Edmonds. So you wouldn't want to necessarily give him up after he finally has a huge game. So um, I doubt there are going to be a lot of people who will see this game and think that they can then sell high on Edmonds, but and if that's the case, I think he's definitely worth uh, worth trying to buy because uh, I think this is probably um, a sign of things to come. I mean, I, we, yeah, we know Edmonds is, is good, uh, and he's actually been showing it uh, the whole season. He's been pretty efficient as a runner, so um, I think this is legit, and I would want to be buying if possible. Uh, Hassan, I know like me, you like to dress up in your Sunday best to record this podcast, uh, but probably, or maybe not, but possibly like me, you also have trouble finding a suit that fits well. Um, but luckily, Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Uh, they are the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. You choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. Uh, You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm definitely with Blair. Like, you got to just get their suits. They're genuinely phenomenal. Um, And you know what else you got to do? 
get those suits, put them on, and come join us out in the Rotoviz Patreon. Uh, you know, you can gain access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack. You can ask questions. You can leave league win advice from many other podcasts and writing team like myself and I had, like Devin McIntyre, John Lipinski, Blair's in there, Matt Jones is in there. Like we're all like the stars are all here, guys. Uh, patronships start at just six month, six dollars per month to become a Rotoviz Radio patron today. Join an exclusive community of listeners and sign up at patreon.com slash Radio. And uh, just want to remind you guys that you can get a listeners-only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to the, our NFL, NFL premium content and tools that help support the pod. Uh, for a limited time only, we're also offering a two-year RB Radio NFL sub, which includes a 10% discount and complimentary access to the Rotoviz Radio, uh, Rotoviz Patreon, and the Slack channel. For uh, the rest of the 2019 season, you get uh, 10% off a two-year subscription and enjoy unlimited access to the Slack channel through uh, for the rest of the season and uh, hopefully beyond. I don't know yet. Um, you know, all you have to do is head over to rotaviz.com/podcast, sign up via the two-year RB Radio subscription, and we'll email you Slack access details within 48 hours. Once again, that's rotaviz.com slash podcast. And just as a reminder, guys, this site goes 24-7-365. So we do not stop when the season is over. That's where things are just getting started. We're getting into prospects. We're going to be, you know, and out there in the Slack, we're out here kicking up trades for dynasty teams that are falling out of contention. Come join us and, uh, you know, we'll see you there. All right, moving on to news item number three. Tyler Boyd submitted five grabs for 55 yards on 14 targets Sunday in Cincinnati's Week 7 loss to the Jaguars. It's been a rough couple weeks for Boyd, who's caught only 8 of 21 targets with three drops. Today's performance was pretty bad since he also dropped two passes and lost a fumble and had only zero yards in the first half. So, uh, Hassan, do you think Boyd is going to bounce back next week or is are you concerned about this poor play? I would not I'm not gonna lie if uh you know by saying I'm not concerned it's it's been poor man like the Bengals' offense is still putting up points but it's a hell of a rough way to get them and like all it is is just like a reduced ceiling for everyone like um like it's it's not good like uh Dalton today threw three ints two of them were picked off and he was targeting Boyd um, now, I don't know if this is like because the coaches are being uninventive with how they're calling plays for Boyd. He's just not this, getting the same kind of usage. I mean, he's getting the same kind of usage. Just him and Dalton haven't been on the same page. Boyd, we know, is very, very good. And hopefully he bounces back. Um, my bigger fear is that they just flip on over to like Ryan Finley and then it's then it's all... <laughs> Uh, it's it's going to be a bad time for everyone involved uh, going forward. Um, I'm trying to look up uh, what Cincy's... They've got kind of a bit of a run-of-the-mill um, stretch here. Like, and that, this is what plays back to that fear about Ryan Finley. Because they play the Rams, and then they go on by. And, but they've got a pretty solid lead-up before the playoff run. Uh, and then... You know they get Miami and they get Cleveland as well, so it's it's you want Boyd to be firing on all cylinders. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm nervous. Like I I I thought that like Boyd would be fine. Maybe this is just a two week two week blip, and I'm I'm just overreacting because um, I was really hoping for a lot more from Boyd uh, the last two weeks, but at the same time, I guess you know people have down games. Um, he's still getting the he's still getting the targets, but really my fear is like a guy like Alec. Alex Erickson saw 14 targets and he got eight of those for 137. And you know, like earlier we had uh, what's his name, um, Auden Tate taking taking stuff, and you know, the start of the season with John Ross. Like it's, it's a bit concerning that like Boyd could face a touch squeeze if he continues being this poor. What are your thoughts, Blair? Um, yeah, I would be concerned about that. I'm probably more concerned if he didn't also have 14 targets today. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't think anyone really expected the Bengals to be like a good team to win a lot of games necessarily, um, but yeah, it's hard to hard to figure out what to make exactly of Boyd's poor play in particular. I mean, he uh, this is I guess what the second or third game in a row that he's kind of underperformed. Okay, no, second game, but he had another bad one in week four where he really underperformed his his opportunity. But, I mean, 
he's had double-digit targets in all but two games this season. And I think as long as, you know, the other guys that Dalton is throwing passes to are Alex Erickson and Auden Tate, that probably is going to continue. Um, so he, you know, might be able to salvage his season just based on volume. Um, I guess the question is, is he good enough to to transcend not only sort of poor offensive efficiency all around, but poor QB play if they do decide to go away from Dalton, although even if they don't, Dalton has not been that great, so I think the QB play is going to be poor no matter what. Uh, yeah, that's tough. I don't really know. Yeah, I, I don't know, but it's just sort of stuff to, to think about like as we head into the... You know, but Cincinnati heads into the bye. I'm sure we're not the only ones thinking about it. And, uh, you know, we're about halfway through the season now. So, you know, year to day production pretty much um, is the best predictor of what next, you know, what going for the rest of the season production looks like. And, I mean, Boyd's been pretty good, but um, it's a little bit it's a little bit concerning that we're going to be getting these highs and lows. Uh, would you be trying to move him if you are a Boyd owner? Well, I would actually still need a lot. I mean, like, where would you still rank Boyd in your dynasty rankings? Uh, dynasty rankings. I mean, I'd still probably have him. I would say fairly high, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, going into the season, I actually had him in my top twelve wide receivers. So I remember, yeah, a lot higher than I think a lot of other people would have him. And I might still have him there. I'd have to see who else would end up being around there. Um, but I don't think. I'd move him much farther down than like wide receiver 18. Yeah. So let me, uh, let's, let's see if I can actually pull up a handful of guys here so then we can, I wanted to get, yeah, I do, I do want to get your thoughts because we are, like I said, we, we're coming to the, we're coming to the, um, right. I'm pulling up your ranks right now, which have not been updated recently. Although no, but that's, get on uh, that. well, that's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some of these, some of the the other writers have updated their rankings, so you can like compare. Um, I remember Curtis Patrick mentioned that he was uh, updating his, so actually let's use his. Yeah. Yep, because he's got Michael Thomas as his wide receiver one overall, which is a very good take to have. All right, so he's got Tyler Boyd pretty high though. Like he's got he's got him like where you'd think. I mean, so he's got Boyd as. He's got him as wide receiver 18. Uh, he's got him after Brandon Cooks and Stephon Diggs, Calvin uh, Ridley, Tyler Lockett, DJ Moore, I, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Yeah. Julio, Cooper Cup, Amari, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. But guys who he's got around Boyd would be like Nikhil Harry, Robert Robert, Robert Woods, D.Y. Hilton, Kenny Galladay. I think Kevin Kenny Galladay should probably be bumped up a little bit. Adam Thielen should be bumped up a little bit. Chris, he's got him ahead of Christian Kirk, for example. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I think so. Would you have Boyd ahead of Courtney Sutton? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... When you're going through, like, the actual ranks and you're seeing them, would you have Boyd ahead of Cooks? Brandon Cooks? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, think I mean, I, I had Boyd ahead of Cooks going into the season, and both Boyd and Cooks have been well cooks has been disappointing too and boyd has had actually some some big games so i think i'd still have boyd ahead of cooks yeah yeah you had boyd ahead of keenan and julio and kirk right and folk well i guess at this point you had godwin i mean just because it's a little bit older right so like here here's some guys who i was curious yeah, I would definitely Go- Go- move godwin, godwin up. Cop? yeah tyreek uh yeah i guess so yeah kenny galladay probably yeah, so so Galladay is interesting, right? Because like he's the one whose whose dynasty value seems to never be in alignment with his actual like production, <laughs> right? Because I was fairly aggressive on him in like our uh, in a, in our uh, ranks. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to go through the rest of yours, but I think I think most of your like I guess Calvin Ridley versus Boyd would be would be a decision point to have. Yeah, it would. Um, yeah, I was expecting a lot more from. Ridley than than we've seen so far this season so I don't know I still really like him and I don't think I'd want to move Ridley down that much but uh yeah he didn't he certainly has not been getting the usage I expected this season so 
But this is, I mean, but uh, but again, this sort of speaks to the kind of premier asset that like Boyd is, and he was a guy that who you could legitimately have gotten off waivers, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. Like I'm, I've been a pretty big Boyd Boyd truther for a while. It's just it's good to see him getting opportunity. I'm not too concerned. Like all 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 receivers are kind of volatile anyway. While we're doing this exercise, and I'm just looking at it, this is like totally off topic, but Godwin is the guy who probably I need to make the biggest move on, moving him up, and I'm looking at how far I can put him up there. Would you have Godwin ahead of Cooper? Ahead of Amari Cooper? Yeah. No. Okay. What about ahead of Mike Evans? Yes. What about Diggs? Oh, that's that's a tough one. Yeah. Um. At th- at this point, I would probably have to go with yes. Godwin ahead of Diggs. I don't know, right? Because like when you go from like a tier perspective, I would have Amari Cooper as half a tier ahead. I'd probably have like Godwin, Evans, Diggs, all those guys, and like Keenan, who like in a one big tier. Like when right. you if you're if you're drafting, Galladay right. should be in that tier as well. Boyd, like Boyd, maybe. Uh, Lockett should be up there. Um, what about Godwin versus Devontae Adams? Yeah, I think Adams should be kind of in that tier. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, and this is, it's going to come off like a crazy hot take. And mm-hmm. I, I and I know that I'm like complete, like, like again, the big thing that like Adams is facing, the big, the big headwind he's facing is like the improved defense. Like he just sort of curbs bass volume. Yeah. Um. I think I think Adams is completely ready to smash, but also I'm very very confident in stating that like the Green Bay Packers are probably going to be looking to bring in an alpha, another, well not necessarily an alpha, but are going to be looking to spend a lot of early draft capital on 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 a wide receiver this this season because like the you know what laid this this aerial offense bare was the fact that like Aaron Rodgers is throwing to a bunch of like just later round guys who the NFL passed on multiple times and you're sort of seeing why. Yeah. Um I mean like Adams was the last guy they spent any significant draft capital on and that's going to be about 5 years ago uh, as we head into the 2020 draft so that should tell you where we're at with with their needed wide receiver. Right. Right, right. Well, I mean if yeah, if some of these guys who look a little bit promising can actually actually make some big steps i mean mvs looked good today so i don't know we'll see yeah i mean mvs was like like they all looked good but i mean at the same time like rogers is the first guy to really d off on this oakland defense secondary and he was just like i mean jimmy graham went off today dude like (laughs) like like that's just all like that's all you need to know is like is like you got a uh uh you know a four target 64 catches 65 yards one touchdown second you know leading the he was second on the team in like targets and like you saw like second of the team in receiving production like geronimo allison who saw five targets did nothing jamal williams saw five targets and did pretty well i mean like again danny vitale put up 43 yards the fullback so it's like so it's just like um you know i mean this is what they're doing and it's a perfect lead-in for the next question which is uh, aaron Rodgers completed 25 to 31 passes for 429 yards five touchdowns and zero ends in the backers it's 42 24 week seven win over the raiders he also added two rushes for six yards and an additional score uh you know this is and this is all comes despite missing adams for their third straight game uh, you know, he put on a vintage performance. He ethered the Raiders for the fourth most passing yards of his career. You know, what are your expectations for the aerial attack for the rest of the season? And especially as the guy who we're talking about in, in, in general, like Devontae Adams. Yeah, uh, I think I'm I think I'm in on the Packers aerial attack going forward. Uh, I think the, a lot of these guys like MVS, like Lazard are actually like legitimately talented. So I'm excited to see what uh what they can do going forward even if Adams is not going to be able to play a lot. Um uh, you know, Green Bay hasn't had their bye week yet and they have kind of a middle of the road schedule going forward, so um it's not uh, maybe not ideal for them, but on the other hand, they've played one of the harder schedules in uh, in the NFL so far for wide receivers, and uh, have looked good, obviously. So, 
yeah, I'm optimistic. I think, you know, obviously once Devontae Adams gets back, he's going to probably be the guy, but I think it would be a mistake to totally write off what what these guys have done in his absence, what MVS and Lazard have done. So I think they'll still be able to carve out some roles going forward. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, I mean, in the past I haven't been like the biggest fan of Adams or even of uh, a lot of what Green Bay has done in terms of their receiving core, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm optimistic. Uh, you know, I know you're not, you're not, uh, an Adam's, Adam's truth or by any means either, or any of these, any of these guys, except is Jermaine, Jamon Moore's not on the, on the Packers. No, he's, he? he's, 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 he's gone. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like when I, when I saw him in like the first preseason and he was just running behind everyone, I was like, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> I didn't have any real, real reason to like, to like be a, be a truther for this like mediocre product. Right. Like, but he was drafted the earliest, but yeah, that yeah, he, he also got flushed out the first. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm not this like massive Devontae Adams guy because I mean, like, there there are people out there who will who will fight you unless you say like Devontae Adams is the greatest like wide receiver ever. Like he is he is Megatron 2.0, uh, <laughs> and 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 I'm just not there. Like I think I think. It was fine where people were drafting Devontae Adams. I wouldn't have drafted him that that high. That's just not just where I, where where I want to be. You know, allocating my risk. I can see the reason for why people are aggressive on him. You know, being Rogers' only wideout. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, outside of the one Philly game, like Rogers really didn't need to throw all that much to him in order for them to win. And that's where it gets kind of kind of tricky-ish, right? And he is a very good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong; he should be up there. But I think really more so uh, the discourse around Devontae Adams is is uh, there's no way you could be contra that just yet. You know what I mean? Uh, although, you know, given, you know, I'm looking over at like the player win rate app here over on Rotoviz that, uh, that Mike Beer has created, which again, if you play any best ball at all, you should be perusing um, as it pertains to just, you know, it actually tracks fairly well with uh, with just PPR leagues, especially if you're interested in like highly drafted guys like an Adams. And he has currently got a, and this is uh, you're gonna have to tell me if this is good or not, but he has a 3.8% win rate. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, so he is must that be on a lot of my teams? <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I mean, partially it's just not his fault. Like he's been hurt. He has 60, like he has 63 like PPR points. And he's been in like the low single digits like this whole time because like again like he's just so volatile picking him, uh, given his like poor usage and his injury. But he's set to smash here going forward. But even then, like I don't know how much is going to he's going to really be uh, be a factor. I mean they've got a pre- like you said they've got a middle of the road um, schedule. They got Casey, then LSE, then Carolina, then they go into buy, then they you know get San Fran who I mentioned are for real, and then they get New York Giants and Washington who are two you know, mediocre playoff, uh, two mediocre teams that they can tee off on in like the start of the fantasy playoffs. And they close with Chicago and Minnesota. So I think Adams is set for an absolute smash, but I mean, uh, do you think green Bay invests early capital in a, in a wide receiver next off season or, um, you know, uh, I would be, I think I would be surprised if they did. Um, I think we all kind of expected them to draft to possibly draft a wide receiver this season yeah and they didn't obviously but i think probably what yeah i i think the guys that they have on their team now have done enough to keep them from spending you know a day one or day two pick on a wide receiver so i'd be i'd be surprised if they did honestly I mean, am I way too high on, like, MVS in particular? And maybe on Lazard, too? I think so. I <laughs> Lazard didn't really do all that much today, as much as we would have liked to. Like, I mean, these are all just, like... Yeah, I mean, no, these today are just... he didn't do much. And even if you look back at his... I mean, if you're just looking at, like, his box scores, you know, there's nothing nothing really that stands out. But um, he's someone who, I guess, he was interesting as a prospect 
uh, you know, freak score um, monster and kind of has never really panned out. So, you know, now that he's kind of getting his chance and actually looking halfway decent, like, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe going overboard, but but still, I think uh, I think they have some young guys here who are pretty promising, and I think they probably like what they have, um, or at least it seems that way with how they're using them. So, so yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's only so, so much you can do without, like, a second good complementary piece. Um, like these guys are just not like seeing the kind of like eight nine targets you expect, like uh, like a good wide receiver to like to actually truly command. Like even MVS like had to. Like, get he got three targets, but he converted that into a lot. That like speaks to his like that he's probably just better off as a role player than he is like as a you know core piece of this offense. Um, I was going to gonna gonna ask, um, what are your thoughts with um, uh, where uh, who's who am I thinking of? Oh yeah, Geronimo Allison. He should just not <laughs> be in the NFL. <laughs> Yeah, I've never really been a Geronimo Allison fan, so it's hard for me to get on board at this point when he's, you know, being targeted more than these other guys on the Packers and doing less with his targets. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's fair what you said about these guys not exactly being, like, uh, a true number two option or uh, a really elite weapon. And it's possible that they would be looking for somebody more like that. I mean, the other thing to consider, kind of as you said before, is that Adams has now, I think this is, what, his fifth year in the league? Um, so, you know, maybe it's still a long ways off, but I'm sure Green Bay is thinking about, you know, what comes after Adams and probably looking uh, to draft his uh, successor pretty soon. So there is that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting if they did pick an early wide receiver, and I think it could, it uh, wouldn't necessarily be a bad strategy for them. I just, <laughs> I just kind of would be surprised if they did. Yeah. Well, and if they do, we will definitely be, be discussing it because it's going <laughs> to hold, it's going to hold definitely who I have dynasty ramifications. I mean, uh, it was why people vaulted uh, Nikhil Harry pretty up there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Speaking of Nikhil Harry, he's going to be eligible to return in a few weeks. What are you doing with him? Uh, I mentioned this, like, uh, a little bit ago, but uh, I can't remember what episode it was. But, like, yeah, man, I kind of want him in redraft. Like, uh, yeah. like, like Josh Gordon is not going to play, um, uh, you know, Dorsett, all the other guys. I know that they all have his, like, trust. Jacoby Myers is also a thing who apparently has, like, his trust. But, man, if Nikhil Harry is, like, particularly good and, like, he flashes, like, he could be, like, that DJ Moore presence down the stretch last season. And you're not finding guys on a Tom Brady led offense on the waiver wire all that often. And if he, they, he is, you got, you got to go you, like run sprint. He's, he's a fine stash this late in the season. Like yeah. we're, we're really at the dregs. Like now, like, like, like you would have been better off blowing your fob much earlier and then just trying to grab these guys for a dollar each. But you know, this is where we're at, we're, where we're at now. So you would be picking up, picking him up at this point now and stashing him for a few weeks before he can actually play. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like he's a higher upside. Like I dropped right. MVS like in in one of my other leagues uh, last week to to get um I can't even remember who. Like I think it was probably a tight end. Uh, but like I have no regrets. <laughs> well, like no, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that like MVS was like my wide receiver seven. I really didn't need him anymore. Like I just needed a, I needed a tight end. Right. Well, yeah, that's probably a pretty strong tight end. I mean, wide receiver course if MVS is droppable. But, uh, yeah, I mean, th I guess the thing is I don't have a lot of teams that Harry probably helps that much because of the way I've drafted all my teams. Like, I'm having enough trouble, to, you know, figuring out when to start Will Fuller and Galladay and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Harry is definitely interesting. I think I'd be worried about him not 
having played the whole season and then I'm actually coming in and, and being effective. But I think if you are, if you need wide receiver help on your fantasy team, then, uh, he definitely is a high upside option. Uh, probably maybe worth stashing even this early. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the fantasy football report. Please remember to rate and review the road of his radio channel on Apple podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon for Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio Podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.